everybody. Welcome to the No Film School podcast for the week of December 9th, 2021. This week, we are going to be talking about Austin Film Festival, their screenplay feedback, the internet, and how that all ties together. We're going to be talking about a new release of Blender, which is software that everybody needs to be more aware of. And full disclosure, I keep forgetting about, so I can't wait for Todd to remind me of why it's so great, because everyone else loves it, and I need to learn why. And that is this week on the No Film School podcast. All right, first up, the internet had, uh, what's the old joke about Twitter? Every day Twitter has a subject, and every day you hope that subject's not you. So there was a day last week where the subject of Twitter was the feedback you get on your screenplays from festivals, specifically the Austin Film Festival. And a bunch of people who had submitted screenplays to Austin Film Fest included some screen caps of the feedback they had gotten to their screenplays that they had submitted to the Austin Film Festival screenplay competition, which includes feedback from a reader. Nobody wants to be, I mean, it's like being bean dad, right? Nobody wants to be the subject of Twitter for the day, except <laughs> for like horrible narcissists. So we can imagine it's not fun. Full disclosure, everybody else I know, like before this, I had nothing but beautiful thoughts about the Austin Film Fest. And a good friend of mine who I've known for 20 years just pre- premiered his feature film there a week ago or two weeks ago or when, whenever it was in November. So like, I've always thought good things. And then, whoa, this was like an explosion of people who had a lot of thoughts. Can someone um, maybe go into a little more detail about the situation? Yeah, I'll take it. Well said, Charles. You have good feelings about the Austin Film Festival. No Film School has a great history with the Austin Film Festival. We've talked about it on the website multiple times. We've referred to it as one of the five best screenplay competitions. We have had our branding on it. We've helped them release and break some of their winners and their screenwriters to watch. So we have a good relationship. But this story came through and, you know, it's our job to report on what happens. And when something like this is happening and the people in the community are talking about it, we feel, of course, it's our job to go ahead and report on it. So, you know, yeah, there was a lot of talk on Twitter where filmmakers who submitted scripts were sharing some of the feedback they'd gotten. And the feedback is, it varies from being confusing to offensive. And this is just, you know, some of what was being put out there. Now, it's upsetting because this is where things get a little complicated. They do have a $100 fee for their coverage program, but they also have a separate program that is a less extensive service. At least this is what Austin Film Festival has communicated to me to date, where readers' comments are included as part of a competition entry fee, and it provides a brief summary of the evaluation, and it's not marketed as full coverage notes. So as part of the competition entry fees, I'm not really sure how that breaks down as being a completely separate issue from the $100 coverage fee, which may be just a separate program. Either way, if you're spending money and you're getting notes, you should expect a certain caliber of note. We are waiting on the Austin Film Festival to provide us with even more details so we can publish their statement and be fair to their side of this. But I again feel it's very important that no film school, that all of us in general 
call out when we see what we perceive as people taking advantage of filmmakers spending money for something. If they're not getting the thing that they are spending their money on in a fair and straightforward manner, it should be stated and we should all be warned. I agree with that totally. I mean, I this is such a complicated one because like there are clearly those film festivals that are just rackets. Like they exist. I forget there was a big story a couple of years ago about one that like basically everybody seemed to get in and, you know, and then people would actually go to the festival and it would be like, this is a projector in like a random room off the side of a hotel and there was no marketing and there was no organization and there was no whatever. And you're like, oh, this is just a entry fee racket. So like that does happen. I've um, been to those I, and I've been in them. There's a lot yeah. of them. I think this is a much different situation that Austin is a very reputable organization. But it's a really complicated thing to navigate giving people feedback on a large number of screenplays. I mean, it's something that this thing, this like giving people feedback on creative work is an issue that a lot of people are still trying to crack. I mean, if you look at the Bitcoin M- NFT crypto thing that the Coppolas are trying to launch, like screenplay feedback is part of that, where you have to like read and give notes on a number of screenplays to get yours read and like. Amazon went through that when they had their public pilot thing where you had to read a bunch of screenplays. And like, you know, there are whole departments at all the major agencies that are paying people good money to read all the scripts. Full disclosure, I did that for Appian Way and Creative Artists and a bunch of other places when I first moved to LA 20 years ago. So like, it's a really hard problem to crack. It's complicated because like, this feels like a completely separate thing. I can just imagine that my heart goes, Man, leave this in, editor, as I struggle to say what I'm about to say, which is basically, as someone who had a small business that then grew into a medium-sized business for a long time, like, you're always thinking about new things you can offer and new services you can deliver, and you, you think through as best possible how you can deliver on that to the quality that fits the rest of your brand, or I hope you do. I mean, some people are like, we'll sell flamethrowers, and then after they've publicly announced they're selling flamethrowers, they're like, oh, this is illegal, but we didn't think to figure that out ahead of time. But like most people are trying to figure it out ahead of time. And I suspect that they were trying to do it right. And it probably grew faster than they could quality control. I feel like that is probably the case as well. Also having had some experience reading scripts for film festivals specifically, it's different than reading script coverage for a studio because studios have a business model that involves script coverage, whereas festivals business model is more around putting on a festival. And so the money often goes in a big way towards that festival. So as a script reader for festivals, you're not making the same rates that you would make for a studio. You're making significantly less, if not nothing. I don't know how much Austin pays their script readers. It's possible they pay them nothing. I would not be surprised. But a big part of that is like, You know, Austin has clout for a reason. They've been a great festival for a long time. They get written up in all kinds of blogs. There are tons and tons of people submitting. The system gets flooded. And then all of a sudden, you've got like your 20 readers that are like, you expect me to read how many scripts? And then you're just like, a calendar year goes by really quickly and you scramble to find anyone who can read these scripts for you because you've promised everyone that submitted that they'll get at least one read, if not two, and then they'll get personalized feedback. And I think a script competition is one of those things that is easy to kind of get out of hand. I like, I actually like your like flamethrower selling analogy, Charles, because it is kind of like, oh, we want to do this great thing. I don't think they realize how just how many submissions they can get. I mean, it's not like they cap them. 
reading a script takes a long time. The fastest I ever got script and coverage down to was two hours for a read and coverage. And that was too fast. And I got sloppy. It takes a Uh, long time to do a good job. Um, And it means then it means hiring a lot of people. Yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So in this scenario, I'm honestly relatively unfamiliar with the script reading side and the the screenplay aspect of film festivals. Like, is the goal to win a competition or is the goal to just have someone give you their thoughts? And like, what is the vetting process? Like, who are the people that are usually reading these scripts? Are they generally qualified to give you advice? Or are you paying just the film festival's leader's friend to read your script and tell tell you what they think? Or or is it... purely for the the competition sake of it. The goal is truly to like obviously to win or to get noticed in some way to get into the like the top 10, the top 5, the top 3, whatever and get written up. The honor not the honorable mention, the like prize, the what do you call it, the like backup prize is you get some coverage if you don't get written up. Which ideally that coverage would then help you work on a next draft. That's what people are paying money thinking like, well, if I don't win, at least I'll have some opinion on it that could help me navigate future competitions, future festivals, whatever. In this case with Austin, the tweets that we're seeing, the coverage, that the reviews that we're seeing of screenplays are truly terrible. But like having been on the other side, having been a script reader myself, I'm frankly not surprised (laughs) because I think every festival sets out, every script competition sets out with the best intention of like, hiring people that know story and that have done this kind of work before and that can spend a lot of time reading scripts and then coming up with great feedback. Yeah, but, but if you get if you end up getting 500 more scripts than you plan for then then all of a sudden, you then know, you're just hiring your friends. Your yeah. uncle's cousin's dog's walker's exactly. friend is reading a script and, you know, you got people paying $100 for just anybody's opinion. Is is that kind of Yeah, maybe? because on the flip side, on the flip side, there's a supply and demand problem. Like you got thousands of scripts that you have to get to because you've promised everyone that you would. But there are only so many people in the world who can take that much time out of their day to make very little money, if not nothing. And those people probably aren't the people who are going to write great feedback. So I I, I have a hard time with that whole concept. I mean, I I, I understand it. I, I guess what I would say is if I was someone who wanted to spend $100 to maybe try to get noticed with my screenplay. I don't know. I I, I mean, I guess you got to you got to use you go every to the avenue you have. Yeah. I mean, there is like like Jason who's not with us this week, but like did that great review a couple of weeks ago where he looked at all of the big platforms that gave feedback. And 
they're all more expensive than this for one, but you know, you get better results. He was actually kind of relatively happy with some of his results. And, you know, there's established platforms like the blacklist that are like, you're paying a little bit more. I think you can get on the blacklist for less for like 150 or something. I mean, get in like you don't get on the blacklist for <laughs> like that would that would change the industry. But like you get read by people. There's clearly like vetting. I mean, I think this is such a clear example of something that got out of hand. I think that my guess is that at some point Austin was like, well, we do the screenplay competition, so we're reading all the scripts. So do we offer as an extra service the ability to get feedback on it? And it's like, well, but there's a huge difference between getting people to read a bunch of scripts. Because honestly, as a script reader, if I knew I was judging a... Well, I've judged a bunch of competitions and you finish reading all the packets, but there are often times where you're halfway through where you're like, I'm not going to read as closely the second half of this packet or this treatment or this script because it's it's clearly not going to win. Like, we just know it's not going to... like That's very true. So it's a much smaller time commitment to judge than it is to judge and give feedback because you're like, oh, I have to write something about this. I have to really have a good gloss on it. I have to like, that is a much different thing. And I suspect that that upped the level of commitment because the thing to remember is like a good professional script reader 20 years ago was getting 40 or 50 a script, sometimes up to 70 or 80. I can only imagine now that it's pretty regularly 70 to 90 a script. Mm -hmm. And so like $100 getting you good script feedback, it's like, well, that doesn't, the model doesn't make sense. It's another one of those classic like underpants gnomes business models. And I'm really curious to hear back from Austin Film Festival and get their statement because the problem is like the more I've reviewed both what their initial response to the article said to me personally, but also what Jason wrote in the initial piece is that, yes, there's this coverage they're offering for $100, which is separate from their screenplay contests. But a lot of what we're seeing on Twitter is people with bad notes or confusing notes or lazy notes for the coverage they paid for, not just as a part of, oh, we give some feedback on the competition entries. So just to mm. just to separate the two things, there's the competition, which is the contest, and then there's just coverage, which mm. is the new feature I guess they're charging for. And yes, some of these people are saying, I paid for the coverage and I got these poor notes. Now, the why, I think you guys have laid out some really good possible reasons. I think, Todd, you bring up a really good point. Like, Kath, you do a great job setting the this the landscape and actually get letting us see inside of, like, what is this actually like for, for people running these and how hard it is it to do? And, you know, people are doing it for free. Yeah, that's a really big ask. And for Todd, what you bring up is great because I do think there's a little let the buyer beware. That's why Jason did that thing that Charles mentioned where he wrote about it's the post where he he did entry he did entry into multiple coverage services and he posted his results he also wrote what the five best screenplay contests he felt were and he included Austin Film Festival that's separate from Austin Film Festival's coverage they charge for but i all this to be said like always go in with a clear set of eyes on what you're getting and what you're paying for like as I was submitting a feature once to many, many festivals and like sending them media copies or paying for, you know, there'd be postage sometimes and there would be, you know, your entry fees or blah, 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 blah. You kind of become aware that you're like, yeah, I'm spending a whole lot of money. And what I'm getting back is like not much at all, if anything, you know, and, and I think everybody should be aware. It's our job at No Film School to let the filmmakers in the community know that you might be paying for something that someone's going to be doing for free. 
the coverage might be coming from. Like, you should know that. You should know what you're getting into. On the other hand, it would be really nice if these services that are charging money delivered more than a cursory glance. That's probably what they should be delivering. Whether or not that's feasible economically is another question. And maybe that means don't offer something that you can't really deliver on. But yeah, I I mean, like for me, it's like, I'm just thinking about myself. Like if someone was like, can you read a whole bunch of scripts? And so if if it's a hundred dollars, I'm sure, you know, the, the reader's probably getting what maybe uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be generous, maybe uh, half of that, if anything, no, like what a quarter. So like if someone was like, Hey, I'll give you 30 bucks to read a 90 page script. I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. And, and if, I would and say if, 30 bucks is honestly like the max that I have heard. So, see, that's like, so, so at the end of the day, like, I don't know about you guys, but if I've spent the time writing a, a screenplay and I want someone to read it and give me their thoughts and I'm going to actually be thinking hard about what they have to say about it, I'm not really going to give much credence to something that I paid $100 for. I'm paying $100 to try and get noticed if something. But then again, that's why I'm I'm a little bit disenchanted by the whole festival scene in a lot of ways because of this sort of thing. Because you know, it's like that whoever just read your script, they're not, I mean, unless, I mean, dang, if you've got a banger of a script that just enchants this person and they're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is beautiful, which I'm sure could happen. But then, you know, the other four or five scripts they got to read that hour are going to get, you know, <laughs> less attention because, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's just like, it, to, to me, the the return on investment, if you're really actually trying to care about what they have to say, just give it to your close friends and family. And then, and if you're, if you're trying to win something, that's a different story, I guess. But I don't know, like the, the scripts that something like Austin Film Festival say they, the ones that do get written up or do win, like how often in y'all's estimation, actually gets made into something. Is that, what's what's the number on that? I, wonder, uh, you know? I don't know the numbers or the percentages there. It's kind of less about that, but also more about like just having the notoriety of being able to say that as a screenwriter, you've won or placed in the Austin Film Festival screenwriting competition or another competition of notoriety. That's a pretty big deal. That's something that you can keep as a line, you know, in your bio for years, even if the film never gets made. That just gives you some some clout. And I know I personally know people who like won a contest more like Academy Nichols, but like of script contests led to getting representation that led to other things. So I don't know anybody that like that film got made, although I'm sure it exists. I'm sure it happens. But I certainly know people for whom it was beneficial to their career. I completely agree with you, Todd. I think it is like a real bummer whenever you hear stuff like this. And it really does change our relationship to like how we want to consume the festival industry. I also think there's a lesson here for filmmakers because most filmmakers have to run a business in some way. And there's a business lesson in this, which is you can only grow anything as big as your ability to manage it. So you go to some of the places that like dedicatedly do this. I guarantee you the screenplay coverage is not going to paying customers if someone isn't reading it and supervising it and making sure it's good, making sure it's like quality, mentoring the people reading the scripts that are getting paid for. But there's not the budget to do this in mm-hmm. the model they've built. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that all of this stuff was just like, it's getting read, getting sent to paying customers without anybody looking at it or supervising it and overseeing it. You can't grow a business that you can't manage. And it seems like they tried to launch a thing that was beyond their ability to supervise what was leaving their offices. And I think that's a real important thing that we should all think about as we like 
figure out the ways that we are navigating the industry. Yeah, I, Charles, I'm glad that you brought up the Blacklist and the Academy Nichols Fellowship because I think, you know, we don't have full transparency into all of these different screenwriting competitions and what their business model is. But I think if it's a film festival versus like a website that has notoriety, you can bet 100% that most of the money of what you're paying to get into the film festival competition is going towards the festival and not towards the script reader or the script reading competition side of things. It's really expensive to put on a festival, whether it's online or in person, it's a lot of money. So something like Blacklist or Academy Nichols might be, there's a higher chance that someone who's reading your script is getting some kind of money or has some kind of support, unlike most festivals. I don't know for a fact, but I have some experience with this and I've talked to people who have read for screenwriting competitions within the film festival world it doesn't pay and therefore the coverage just isn't going to be that good. All right, let me do a two-minute update on something from last week. Uh, so remember last week we were talking about one of the things I thought was going to come out of the low strike authorization vote was a some union leadership shakeup. Do you guys remember yes, that? We talked about it? Yes, I saw this headline. Tom Davis, longtime IATSE local aid leader to step down, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Business manager for wow. Local 80, which is the grip since 1998. Inter- second international VP for all of IATSE since 2001. In the, in the article, Hollywood Reporter, the statement is definitely like this is related to the low strike authorization vote. IATSE 871 president Crystal Hopkins also resigned because she could not in good conscience lead members amid the ratification of a new contract of deeply divided membership. So uh, that's from the Hollywood Reporter. So yeah, just to follow up on our last week, which is leadership changes a 98% strike authorization followed by a 50% contract approval means there's going to be leadership shakeup. And there it is. All right, moving on to tech news. Todd, new Blender, what's up? Yeah, so Blender has just had its biggest update. Um, well, first off, what is Blender? Well, Blender is an open source, completely free to download, free to try. 3D, it's a it's a DCI, so it's you know you can make 3D stuff in there. So it just got its biggest update in a long time. There was a 2.8 version that was kind of notoriously difficult to use, really intimidating. Then they up, upgraded to 2.9, and that's when a lot of people started going like, "Oh shit, we might need to start paying attention to this thing." And you know that's when kind of all the arguments started happening about like, is Blender even worth trying? You know. All the Cinema 4D people were still kind of like, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna jump ship. And then now we've got 3.0, which is probably the biggest leap they've made yet in a lot of ways. And long story short, if you're kind of on the fence about maybe wanting to try to get into the CGI world, now is the time to do it with Blender 3, in my opinion. So there's a ton of great new features. It's got a completely new render engine, um, an overhaul of the previous Cycles renderer, which is basically their physically based renderer. And now we've got Cycles X, which is, it's freaking insane. Like it's, it, it blows my mind how good it is and that it's free. Literally like every render that I've been doing and working on now that I'm working in uh, 3, it's like, I'm telling you, it's like 80% faster most of the time. I mean, the only other uh, render engine that I've tried that is close to as fast is probably uh, Octane or or at times Redshift, depending on what you're doing. But now Blender has a free render engine that is every bit 
it's better in, in just about every way, in my personal opinion. There's not a lot. I mean, they've got an asset browser now. There's a pose library. So if you're animating characters, you can save different poses and just like literally with a click, go between them. With the asset browser, you can you can save all your materials, all your HRIs. You, you know, a lot of stuff that other programs had that Blender didn't, that a lot of those paid program people were pointing at and saying, see, it's not a professional tool. Now it has it. I was a Cinema 4D person for my whole career until maybe, maybe pretty much when they switched over to the 2.93. And ever since, I've, I jumped ship because in my, in my opinion, the way I feel about it is that's the future because it's free, it's open source. And I just know that all the younger people out there getting into the game, they're not paying whatever it is, like 1800 a year or whatever for, for Maxon One. They're going to get the free thing. So all these high schoolers, college kids, they're like... I. <laughs> I've been laughing recently. There's a kid on Patreon. He's, I think he's literally 15 years old, 15 or 16 years old, that I'm currently paying $7 a month for him to teach me what he knows. So That is amazing. Um, yeah, we I are love it. Nice. <laughs> no, it's, it's like, you know, and, and like the stuff that he makes, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's better than anyone else. William Landgren, doing great stuff. Keep it up. But yeah, I, so to me, it's like, that's where the future's moving in terms of, you know, like, because it has so many integrations, you know, Epic Games with Unreal Engine, they've been funneling a lot of money into it. We've got Adobe funneling money into it. It just makes sense in a lot of ways to kind of start learning. If you're trying to start learning this stuff, I definitely think that more and more, you're going to start seeing Blender being used as that tool. The thing that I'll say about it is like, a lot of stuff that... If you're a Cinema 4D user, like they've tried to implement some things now that uh, it's funny. It, I'm starting to notice more and more they're making Cinema 4D look more and more like Blender, and it's kind of like I think they're just kind of having like an oh shit moment. Like this is getting this is kind of getting away from us. And I mean, again, I was a Cinema 4D user for a number of years, and it's a great piece of software. But it's just it's hard to argue that a piece of software that does everything that Cinema 4D does, and then some more. And the fact that it's free, it's kind of hard to to argue it at this point. So I'm very excited. It's a great time to hop over and start messing around with it if that's something that you've been kind of on the fence about, especially with virtual production on the rise and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of great ways and integrations between Blender and Unreal if that's something you're trying to do. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a really exciting time for that whole thing. That's awesome. I love the shout out to the guy that you're learning from online. That is that is the future. That is the economy. That is everything now, man. There was like a moment. And yeah, I kind of love the organic way that it happens. Like I literally, I was just scrolling around on Twitter and I'm, I'm kind of trying to learn more about rigging characters and stuff. And he's got this really great this character I'm doing right now wears like a kind of a loose shirt that needs to flap around in the wind. And I saw like a clip of something that he did where his, the character was wearing a big robe. And so I was like, okay. And then I, he had a Patreon. I was like, okay. So, you know, I just love how that works. And yeah, uh, I agree. I do think that's just a big, a big way of the future. And, you know, that's the thing that's really cool about the Blender community is because it's, it's free. Everything is like, there's no gatekeeping in that community whatsoever. Like that's my favorite thing is like even all the little add-ons and stuff, they're if they cost anything, they're like $10 or something where like anything in in the Cinema 4D world if you want to use like X particles or obviously like any of the other ring- like render engines like Redshift or whatever, you're going to pay a lot more money. And you know, it's like for a long time 
that meant, well, it's not a professional tool. It's just not. And more and more and more, that's not the case where it's, you know, you're seeing it being used in high-end post houses and shops everywhere. Blender is really on the rise. And I think if you're not using it because you don't think it's a professional tool, then I think you're kind of about to go the way of Avid or something. Like you need to sort of, it's kind of the old hat way of thinking about things. And so, yeah. Well, I look forward to you writing about it on the site as well. Oh, I definitely will. this is a very cool thing. I think that there's like this kind of crowdsourcing knowledge, exploring together, and then seeing what other people are finding and then learning from them and then all developing, like honing the skills together. That is just such a cool way to sharpen your your tool set, basically. Well, and, and I, I think like the genesis of it all, again, with the, the Blender community in particular is a really special thing because the, it all came from this this free thing that was really, really hard to use. So you had to watch tutorials. You had to find other people with the knowledge. And so now that it's it's way more user-friendly and there's so many more people coming in, there's like all these people who have been using it for like a decade and they're like, oh, come on in. Like, I, I'll, let me show you the old stuff. We'll show you the new stuff. Like, it's, it's just like a really welcoming kind of community where I experience quite a bit of sort of just gatekeepy vibes in all the other sort of CG communities that I've been a part of. And it's exactly what you said. It's just this sort of new era of like having all the possibilities in your hands and it's free. And that has never been the case before. So there's no barrier of entry. And it's all happening with graphics processors just becoming way, 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 way better. And new super powerful Mac laptops coming out so all the Mac people can get on board now. And so it's just just good stuff. Good vibes all around. Awesome. Well, I think that does it for this week. We will definitely follow up on this Austin Film Festival story. Probably talk about it a little bit next week as well, just to make sure we fact check ourselves and cover all sides of this. All right, guys, let's plug our pluggables. I'm on the internet at Charles Hain. And I am on Twitter and Instagram and all of those things. And you can check out my uh, series, Salty Pirate, at saltypirate.tv. I'm Todd Blankenship, cinematographer. You can find me at MI Filmmaker on YouTube and Instagram. I'm Catherine Tolentino, filmmaker. You can find me online at catherinetolentino.com. And I'm George Edelman. You can find everything we talked about here and more at nofilmschool.com. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, check us out on Instagram and YouTube. And my personal Twitter is at George Edelman if you want to see memes and snarky commentary on everything happening in the world. Thanks so much for listening. 